Well, hello there. Today, we're doing a solo episode, and these are going to become a little bit more frequent, and hopefully you like them, because I am grateful to have the opportunity to just chat with you. Uh, Today, I wanted to talk about this pressure that we feel, especially as women in the workforce. And perhaps perhaps the pressure is there for all, um, but our experience as women is ours. And so today I want to talk about that pressure and how do we, how do we relieve that pressure? Cause kind of like a soda can that's being shaken, eventually it's going to pop. And I think acknowledging that pressure relief and acknowledging the pressures that we feel, it's really important work that we can do within our lives. So I want to start off with this story. There was a time back in my very first job, there was a woman in the office and she, she just looked like she had it all together. She would put her bag and her lunch bag in the back seat of her car. And I know that seems like such a little thing, but I want you to just imagine me in my Pontiac vibe. This is a good visual now, isn't it? And I want you to imagine me thrusting all that I am into the driver's side door with a workout bag, with an extra set of clothing, with a lunch bag, with a, like two huge Nalgene bottles and a work backpack with, you know, a laptop and six notebooks and a book that I was reading. I would say that I was a pack mule. That would be the, the most accurate representation of how I was. And rather than claiming any ease available to me in that situation, I would push myself through the driver's side door and then shove all of this stuff onto the passenger side seat. And when I tell you that it was a revelation when I watched this one woman operate from her car and she had a clean back seat of her vehicle that did not have any, you know, residual pull and spring bottles or any of that good stuff. And she just took the time to put her things in the back seat And so when she was exiting and entering her car, it was not a struggle. And witnessing that was a game changer for me because for whatever reason, I am the kind of person that wanted to struggle through the driver's side door. And there are so many points in my life where I can now look back and say, oh, you were just trying to push yourself through the driver's side door with all of this stuff. And you needed to set some of that down somewhere else in order to be really effective and to come at the situation in the way that you wanted to come at it. And it's just this struggle in the juggle. And I think on the inside, I feel like I'm still that girl. I'm still that version of me that was struggling through the car door even though now my choices are to put this stuff in the back seat and to give myself grace and access and ease in this moment. 
And so the first thing that I want to just bring to you is, have you had juggle demonstrated for you? Or have you had ease modeled for you? And when we consider which one we want to embody, if we want to be somebody that is modeling the struggle of the juggle, or do we want to be modeling the ease that's available to us? That's the first question. And when we can say thoughtfully, I want the ease, I want the grace, I want to not feel struggle, then we can say, what does that mean? What needs to change? Where's the invitation? And one of the things that I'm always talking about is how we need models, how we need to see how other people are doing it. So I thought I'd share a little bit about what's helping me feel more grounded and more alive within myself right now, because we are, we're a year into a pandemic. Things are still not normal. They're never going to be normal again. And as long as we're holding our breath, waiting for that thing to happen, we are going to be in a place of weight and as opposed to a place of living. So things that I'm doing right now, I'm being really, really firm around doing one thing at a time. And that means that I'm not doing three things at once. And sometimes I will tell myself the lie that that means that I'm not doing enough. Most of the time I can see the gift in being present and doing one thing at a time and seeing how that is truly more impactful in terms of how I'm showing up, where I'm showing up, the quality of my showing up. There's no juggle. And I'm extending that doing one thing at a time thing, not just when I'm doing a piece of work. I'm doing that one thing at a time thing when I'm going on Instagram live and talking about my plants, which is my obsession right now. And The gift in that is that I'm not holding my best time, my, my single tasking time. I'm not being, I'm not only giving myself permission to feel that and do that when I'm working, I'm giving myself that gift of single tasking, the things that are bringing me true joy. The next thing that I'm doing is I'm getting really clear on my limits. I have found that resentment is a very good teacher. And what resentment is teaching me and has taught me lately is the need for boundaries. And if my energy is that of, I wish I could, or wouldn't that be nice, or any any form of the resentment statement, it's clear I need to establish a boundary because I'm feeling stepped on, not seen, you know, not like I'm a priority. And the truth is, I know that I'm valued. I know that I'm a priority. I know that people love me and want what's good for me. So me asserting the limits that I need to set, asserting the boundaries that need to exist, everybody wants that. Everybody's better for that. So that's the next thing that I'm doing. The third thing that I'm doing is a little bit silly, but anytime I do attempt to do the juggle, I picture myself in full clown makeup. It stops me in my tracks because it's not a good look on me, number one, and I don't want that. And being really clear about, I don't want to be juggling. I don't want to feel struggle. 
the intentionality behind that and the trigger of, oh, if I start to feel the struggle of juggle, I become a clown, that's really helping me. Not that there's anything wrong with clowns. If you identify as a clown, if you see yourself as a clown, you bring a lot of heart and smiles and laughs and love to people. Um, and a lot of joy to my husband who really loves a clown named Puddles who sings and quite excellent. Um, so picturing what is what is it that we don't want necessarily and how can we get clear on that so that when we step into that space of juggling that you have like a trigger. You've got a reminder on that. The last thing that I'm doing, and this is really, this is probably the biggest thing, is stating my perceived expectations on myself and asking myself, is it real? Almost always the pressure that I'm feeling is self-generated. And I like to assign it to other people whether it's work or my family, or my husband, or my mother, I like to assign it to other people because then it feels, I don't know, somehow more important. But most of the time, the pressure, it's completely self-generated. And so I ask the question of, is this real? Here's how I'm demonstrating that right now. So here's a real example. At home, I feel like the laundry being clean and put away is my responsibility. That is a pressure that I have put on myself. And despite the fact that we used to have just, you know, it was me alone, then it was me and Lexi, then it was me, Lexi and George, then it was me, Lexi, George and Brayden. And then we've added Elliot and Leora to that puzzle. Despite all of those changes and everything else, I've still just kept that pressure on myself. And it's not real. And I got really clear and I named the expectation. Like I feel like there's an expectation that I'm in charge of the laundry. But I'm willing to see how that may not be true. What would feel like a good share on this task? Because I don't think anybody intended for it to be all on me. I certainly didn't, and I don't think anybody else did either. But I just took it on and said, okay, the the laundry's on me. And um, that's not a reasonable thing, that it's all on me. And I did it. And in order to change it, in order to name it and shift it, I've, I've got to do the work of naming and shifting it. The same thing is true at work. You know, I have these six reports that I run every single month and I've tested the last three months to see if anybody even opened the report. Like I get a little ping if somebody opens one of these reports. Nobody's opened them. And so I had put it in on me. My expectation was that I'm still going to deliver even though it's not clearly adding value to anybody's life. I'm still going to do this work. And I thought, this is silly. Why am I expending effort if I'm not learning from it and nobody else is learning from it? So I just asked, I was like, you know, every month I'm pulling this report together. If we're going to be doing this effort, we should either be learning from it or maybe we should be doing it in a different cadence. You tell me what feels best. But in the end, what we decided is that the report was unnecessary because we already had positive 
proof of what we were doing was working. And so the report wasn't informing any decisions. So nobody felt like they needed to open it. And I was like, okay, so then do I get to take back that hour and a half of my life that I was pulling and running these reports and then sending them every single month? Turns out, yeah, I do. And it never would have happened if I didn't recognize that this pressure that I had put at myself, if I hadn't questioned it. You know, one of the things that I put in a blog post that I published on CassMcCrory.com last week, and then you'll see it on Medium and LinkedIn, other places this week, is we're attempting to do too much. And all of the solutions to that too muchness are additive. So it's like, um, oh, okay, so you're feeling really overwhelmed. You know what would help? If you did these 16 things, then if you do those 16 things, then the rest of it will all feel easier. It's like, no, this isn't how it works. You have to put stuff down. So this pressure that we have and holding it all and then doing more and doing more and doing more so that we can get to where we want to go is actually not helping us at all. So the question that I want to ask you today, in addition to, you know, what will help you feel freer, more alive, more yourself this week, in addition to asking the question of, are the expectations that you've put on yourself, are they real? Are they necessary? Is what can you set down from here on? What have you been doing? What have you been maintaining that you just don't need to do? And there's probably a handful of things that you could just say, you know what, from this point, not going to carry that forward. And now I want to ask the question that my dear friend Hope asked me all of the time. What becomes possible with that amount of freedom? What becomes possible with whatever you decided to sit down is no longer carried by you and you alone? We have to see what becomes possible in order to make the move. I hope you have a beautiful week. I hope you live within yourself and smile. And I hope you have experienced um, somebody in your life that's modeling how you want to show up. And if you need any help with that, check out the episodes of the podcast that have been published. Um, on Monday, I shared an episode with Christina Blacken, who's the founder of the New Quo. And Christina is, she's such a gift to us all. In addition to being a brilliant storyteller, she gets real about how we can do our work and how we can show up and do so with a curiosity and a willingness to be a learner in our, in our present experience and recognizing that we're all still learning. We're all still doing that work. I love that conversation. I think you will too. So that's episode 109. Check that one out. And I hope that if anything, you found that this conversation between you and me today relieved a bit of pressure. <laughs> 
because you're not a soda can and exploding isn't going to make a messier car, but it's going to feel really messy on the inside. I'll see you next week.